Our reading today is in Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. Here we go. When the death, or the death of Joshua, when Joshua dismissed the people, the Israelites went, all went to their own inheritances to take possession of the land. The people worshiped the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. So they buried him within the bounds of his inheritance in Timnath-Herez, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Moreover, that whole generation was gathered to their ancestors, and another generation grew up after them, who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, if you don't—I'm Bob, by the way. I don't know if I've even introduced myself this morning, uh, but I get to serve as the pastor of this congregation. I also uh, serve as the father of three children. Nick is 23, uh, Ava is 11, and Abby is 8, and they are at an adventure because they're all in different stages of life, and we've been through a lot of the stages, though I hear every time I say, I feel like we're at the end of the stages, older parents say, no, no, there's more to come, and so, which is kind of funny. But we've been going through this, and I remember over and over again, we would get into certain situations, and I'd go, is this ever going to end? I I remember very clearly our 11-year-old, when she was a little bit younger, uh, for a season, believed that her car seat was a monster that was going to eat her. And every time you tried to put her in it, she would scream at the top of her lungs. Have you been through this phase? Anybody? She was horrified by this idea. I remember, I remember uh, phases where the question why seemed to be the only word that kids ever asked, and we're still in one of those with one of them because she loves why. She's just curious to no end, which is fine until you've said why, answered why seven, eight, ten, twelve times. And every time I would get into these phases— Somebody would say to me, and it was generally my mom, because my mom was the person who I always called and asked for advice when it came to parenting, because she just knew everything. And if she didn't, she would make it up. And it was great. So turns out that's what parenting is. Um, but, but she would say, Bob, it's, it's just a phase. It's just a phase, and, and it'll be okay. And don't think this is going to last forever. And I think we've all heard it. But what if I told you that phases are predictable and phases are important. In fact, phases have certain things that you begin to realize are realities, and I want to share these with you throughout this series. Zero to one, when you have a baby, this is the phase when nobody sleeps, everybody smells, and one mesmerizing baby convinces you, I need you right now, and you will respond as fast as you can. But this isn't the only phase they're in. Kindergarten and first grade— The phase when unfiltered words make you laugh. Maybe you've been there. Homework makes you cry. And life becomes a stage where your kid shouts, Look at me. If you have a kindergartner, you already know this is true. You're not surprised by any of these words. Sixth grade. The phase when there's never enough groceries. If you've been to the grocery store three times this week, you have a sixth grader. This is reality of what's going on. The phase when there's never enough groceries— where there, are, where there are too many hormones and one dramatic kid needs to, someone to prove who cares. And finally, for today, 10th grade, the phase when everybody else can, nobody else has to, 
and your resolute teen keeps at pushing you to answer, why not? Why, why can't I drive 120 miles an hour on the road? I heard of somebody who did it, and it was fine. Why can't I jump out of a plane this week? Why can't I live on my own and make a plan for myself? <laughs> why not is the truest question of a 10th grader you'll ever hear, and they'll ask you all the time. But wait a minute, is this some sort of child development class? Here's what I want to talk about, and here's why I think this is important over the next few weeks. Because phases matter. And if we as a church are going to gather together to raise up a generation of people who are following God, we need to ask this question, why does a phase in the life of a child matter? Because it doesn't just matter for parents. In fact, it matters for this reason, and let's read this together. A phase is a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. There are certain times in the life of kids where you can stop and say, this is a moment when we can talk to you about this particular thing. And maybe you knew this, and maybe you didn't, and maybe you weren't sure. But there are these moments that there are things that you can only do in certain phases. And we have to. You see, the phrase has always been, it's just a phase, so just get through it. But if we're going to talk about what it means to share faith with young people, we need to start talking about it this way. It's just a phase, so don't miss it. It's just a phase, and we don't want to miss this season. Over the course of 18 years—or I'm sorry, there are things that we can only do in a phase, and the reality is, is no matter what phase a kid is in, you have a job. You have things that you're called to do. You have things that you're called to be so that in this phase you know what comes next and you know what matters in this season. No matter what phase a kid is in, we have jobs to do. Last week we actually had people cheer on um, some people who chose to show up in a kid's phase. Uh, They're called Kids Connect teachers. And way back in September we actually sat down with them and we said, this is the phase that the kid is in. You should know what it means to reach a kid who's a seventh grader or an eighth grader. You should know what it means to reach a kid who is a four or a five-year-old because we want to sit with you and we want to talk to you about what these things mean. We have jobs over and over again. And so over the next three weeks, we want to ask these questions. What is your role? What does this week mean? And what does it mean to be in a part of this place we call a church or a community of faith? And we want to ask this question because over the course of 18 years, kids go through relatively predictable phases. And if we miss them, we miss giving them things they need. What are the things they need? What what do kids need from us? And that's what brings us to the Bible. And at the beginning, it's going to bring us into the book of Numbers. Because the book of Numbers begins to tell some of the beginning story of what does it mean to to, um, pass on faith and what does it mean to share. And so here is what Numbers 27 said. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole congregation. He laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord had directed through Moses. So God had given a job to Moses. He said, Moses— Your time of leadership is coming to an end. I need you to find somebody else who can lead. And so Moses went out looking, and he had had, had Aaron, who was his brother, and he had some other people who were around him. And then he had 
And then he had to find somebody for the next generation. And he goes and he finds a man named Joshua. And he brings him in, and, and, and he trains him. He teaches him how to do what Moses does. He commissions him. Sometimes the, the translation is he ordains him. But essentially he takes whatever authority he has, and he says, this authority is Joshua's now. I'm done with this. Listen to him. He passes on his faith. He passes on his leadership. And then, in the story, one of the next things that happens is once this, this transition is complete, Moses dies, and Joshua leads. Moses is no longer on the earth, and Joshua leads. And throughout his life, Joshua does lots of amazing things. Joshua leads the people into the promised land. They have the battle of Jericho where they march around and they blow the trumpets and the walls fall down. It's really amazing. He does all these cool things. But when we get through the book of Joshua and into the book of Judges, we get this next passage which we started to read. Here's what it said. When Joshua dismissed the people, the Israelites all went to their own inheritances to take— to take possession of the land. Okay, so they all went to the promised land, and Joshua said, you get that farm, and you get that farm, and you get that farm, and you get that farm. And finally, after they've traveled together for 40 years, they all split up and go their own directions. And they all go their own ways. And the people worship the Lord all the days of Joshua. So for a time, Joshua's there, and he's leading them. And all the days— of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. Now, if you want to know if Joshua did a good job, the answer is yes. They all followed God in amazing ways. Moses, the great, amazing, powerful leader, dies, and the people continue to follow God. What's his reward? Put it up. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at 110 years old. Big prize, okay? I need you to know this. There is a predictable phase of life. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we know that this is the reality, that the end of every story is this. Here it is. Joshua, son of Nun, lived 110 years and then died. This is the story of of all, the end of all the stories, every single time. And we need to ask this question. If we know this is coming, what's next? If we know that this is the reality, that this isn't forever, what comes next? This was the question that Moses answered when he went out and he found Joshua and he put him in a place where he could lead and he could grow. But here's what it says. What happens next? Moreover, the whole generation was gathered to their ancestors, and another generation grew up after them who did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. How is that possible? How could that be that a whole generation is going to come and they don't know the work that Joshua, that Moses that God had done. They'd gone through the Red Sea. Moses had seen a burning bush. There were all these amazing scenes where things were happening, and Pharaoh was bowing down to Moses, and all this amazing stuff was going on. And another generation comes along, and suddenly nobody knows. This is important to remember. Just one generation that forgets their role will leave the next one wondering, how did we get here? See, your role is to share your faith with another generation. And you've been doing this in, I'm sure, a lot of different ways. 
We told family stories as a kid about where ancestors came from. We have items in our house that are, that are the, the story of how people came from Norway to America. And we have stories about how we got involved in certain places. And I'm, I'm a bit of a—my strengths finder is ideation, so sometimes I just make up the story to make it all make sense together, which I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's just the reality of how this works. But stories matter, and they help us make sense of the world. But we need to share this story of what does it mean to pass on what we have to a generation that's coming behind us. And this isn't just for parents. I need you to know this role is for aunts and uncles. And sometimes just people who are called aunts and uncles. You don't actually have to be the brother of the person's parent or the sister. This role is for grandparents and family friends, for kids you meet in passing, and the kids who you have influence over in small groups and in family settings. You see, no matter where you are, there's always someone in a phase that you've been through. If you're a third grader, you know better than almost anybody what it feels like to be a second grader. If you're an adult who just got done raising little kids, you might have a really good idea of what those adults need to hear and what they need to feel, feel, what they're experiencing and how you can help them through this season. But no matter where you are, no matter who you are, there's always someone in a phase that you've been through. We can't forget that we're not just creating a world where we can be happy and things can work together. We're creating a world where you can play a critical role in the life of someone else. Uh, Jess put together this great display, but one of the things that you might have figured out if you've been to baptism class or you've been around here a long time is we talk a little bit about marbles in this church. And the reason we do is that this is a really easy way to mark time. Uh, In this jar that's by the zero to one phase, there are somewhere in the neighborhood of 950 marbles, or one for every week that a kid is in a house from when they're born until they graduate from high school. Obviously, that changes depending on how it is. And when we start, we need to remember that those first few weeks that we have feel like this jar will never be empty. And some of you say, I never want it to be empty. And others are like, you know, could we just pour a few out right now? I'm really tired. That's just the reality of what goes on. But as time passes, we want to remember this, that how we use these weeks matter a great deal because the jar only stays full for a little while. And pretty soon, we meet a sixth grader. And the jar is a lot smaller, and there's a lot less in there. And we're starting to realize that these weeks matter, and that we only have kids for a season. And we only have young adults for a season. We only have each of us for a season, and then that season passes, and we start to look. And when you start to meet your 12th grader, and you look at about how long it is, in fact, this might be a little generous for a 12th grader right now, because some of you are about two or three marbles away from graduation week. And I want you to hear this. The marbles that are in here matter. And some of us will want to stop time and go backwards and say, you know what, let's hold them back in kindergarten, not a lot of 50. Some of you will want to say, how can we use this? 
But what you're doing throughout this time is you're giving them this time. Hey, buddy. You're giving them this time. And you're sharing with them something that matters over and over again. What we do in a kid's phase matters because we have a role. And our role is to take this time that parents have and a few hours that that people in your church have and some time that you have as a friend or as somebody who cares for somebody younger and invest it. Because like Moses, we're all looking ahead. We're all trying to figure out what comes next. You see, a a phase is a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. That's what you're doing. Because when the jar is empty and the marbles are theirs, when the time is given to them, we get to bless them with this reality. There's somebody coming behind you. There's a generation to come. And we're influencing you so you can influence them. So that five, six, seven generations, you want to know what? My story ended, but God's story didn't. That's your role. That's your role. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that that we get to invest in the time that you give us. And we get to care for these young people who are around us. We pray now that over and over again, you would remind us that we each have a role in passing what we have on to another generation. We pray that you would use us for that so that all may know the saving work and the good news of your son, Jesus. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and together God's people said, amen.